Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. I had a staff member tell me that a couple weeks ago had quite an encounter as a God encounter. I just wanted to share it with you. I love these stories. I, I never get tired of hearing your stories about these God encounters. He was going to the gym to work out. He's driving, and as he was driving, he passed a woman that was walking alongside the road. And as he said, it's not my custom to pick up women when they're hitchhiking. I don't do that. But he said, the Spirit of the Lord prompted him and said, go back and pick her up. So he said, okay, Lord. So he turned around, went back, asked her, do you need a ride? She says, as a matter of fact, I do. I, my car broke down. I'm walking to work. I have no way to get there except to walk. It's all the way, all the way into Boulder, and it's a long, or Longmont, and it was quite a walk. She couldn't possibly walk there, I don't think, but she was walking, and she said, uh, I, I'm not a believer, and I'm not a Christian, but I just cried out, God, if you're there, will you have somebody stop and pick me up? And so, so he told her that God actually prompted him to do that, to stop and pick her up. And so the, and then he said, where do you want to go? She said, well, I need to go to work. So he drove her all the way in to work. And as she was leaving, uh, exiting the car, he said, uh, would you like me to pray for you? She said, please. So he prayed for her, and she said to him, uh, it's been really difficult for me for a long time. I haven't had many good days, but today has been the best day that I've had in a long time. Thank you. Just just that little bit amount, you know, of hearing the Lord. And that's what we talk about today, how important it is that we hear him. You know, it's sons and daughters who can hear the voice of their father, who can give away his love. Jesus did nothing of his own. He, everything he did, the Father was prompting him to do. So he could hear the voice of the Father. And so that's why uh, I'm doing a two-part series here. This is the second part. If you didn't hear the first part, it's called a healthy heart. We're talking about what it looks like to have a healthy heart so that you can be a son and daughter with a healthy heart and hear his voice and then give away his love, his ministry, his healing, his care to other people. I talked last week that our Father speaks to our heart first and then to our heads. And the verse I gave you was Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know. So the first thing was it speaks to our heart, and then it moves to our head. And I talked about the language of the heart as promptings of the Holy Spirit, pictures, dreams and visions, emotions, meditation or pondering, and music. Did you enjoy the music video last week? If you didn't see that, you might want to get that online. That was a beautiful thing. So a healthy heart is filled with what? Was anybody here last week? Pastors are never supposed to do what I just did ask you about last sermon. Okay, I'm trying to get you to think. A healthy heart is filled with faith, hope, and love. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is a confident expectation for good. And love is 
This is R.A. Torrey's version, a desire for and delight in the welfare of the one loved. A healthy heart is filled with faith, hope, and love. So when you look at your circumstances, your relationships, your future, even when you look at you know anything about your life, it's not negative. The negative stuff is not there. Instead, there's faith, hope, and love. Wouldn't you like to live that way? That's what Jesus came for, is, is to save us, save our souls, so we can live in a place of faith, hope, and love. And um, last week I ended with the question, Lord, what's in my heart? And I ask you to go home and ask that question, Lord, what's in my heart? Why is that important? Because Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart uh, diligently, for from it flow the springs of life. So where does life flow from? Your heart. That's why... We ask the Lord the question, what's in my heart? Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. So, some of you probably have already been asking this week, Lord, what's in my heart? We're looking for a healthy heart. We're looking for the things that are keeping us from having a healthy heart. I'd just like to stop just for a moment and pray. Would you join me, Father? That's what we want, is healthy hearts. We want to be able to have a heart filled with faith, hope, and love, looking at our future, looking at our relationships, looking at our life, our relationship to you. And wherever there is not a health right now, where there's woundedness, brokenness, pain, Lord, I pray you would search our hearts. And as we go through this word, Lord, that you would bring us to a place of healing this morning. Such who you are. What a Savior. What a Savior. That's who you are. I pray that salvation would be loosed in this room today. Amen. A broken heart is filled with negativity. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to what you say. Between services, I had a young man tell me that he and his wife are finding themselves saying a lot of negative things. And they're going, what's that? Well, what I'm telling you today is because they don't want that. He said, we don't want this. We don't want to find ourselves saying negative things. And so what I said to him is what I'm saying in this message is there's something behind it. There's something in your heart. In in Psalms, he says, unite my heart. Unite my heart. All the parts, unite them. Bring them together that I may sing your praise with all my heart. So there are places in our heart that needs healing so it can be united with a heart that will sing the praise of God. I like that idea. See, now, now I, last week I talked about Hannah, how bitter she was because she could have no children. And uh, her uh, husband's other wife uh, would provoke her so that she wept and would, would not eat. And so we talked about the brokenness that was in her heart. And that's what I want to do is I want to run a list of some of the things 
that produce negativity in our hearts. This is the stuff that wrecks marriages. This is the stuff that wrecks relationships. This is the stuff that wrecks your life. This is the stuff that causes you to think God doesn't love you. This is the stuff of a broken, negative heart that God wants to heal. Now, you can learn more about this at Many Waters. Uh, So my discussion here is going to be, I'm just hydroplaning right now. But if you want to learn more, uh, Many Waters will help you with this. All the negative emotions that you have, fear, anxiety, stress, anger, all these negative emotions are tied to something. The words you say, they're tied to something that needs cleansing in your heart. Okay. Now, the first one I want to talk about is generational sins and curses. The Bible says that they're curses uh, to the third and fourth generations of those who sin. Fortunately, there's blessing to the thousands of generations. But <clears throat> Numbers 14, 18, if you're a note taker, is my reference. Many references on this, but here's my working definition. A sinful bent, generational sins and curses, a sinful bent toward weaknesses in character and conduct passed down to you from your parents and grandparents. So there's stuff you're dealing with that you feel uh, overwhelms you and overcomes you that could well have come to you through your parents, passed down from the other generations. You go, I don't understand. Where's this coming from? Well, that can be a source of where it comes from. Sometimes I, you know, being fully aware, for the most part, of the stuff that goes on in my life, sometimes I can look at my children and go, oh, my goodness. I know where they got that. Next thing is ungodly soul ties. I'm going to find that as negative emotional spiritual ties where two souls or people in a group have been knitted together, and it's a negative knit, not positive. The negative kind of situations you get in, you know, emotional ties, it comes from premarital sex. That's one of the main reasons. Uh, there, there are other unhealthy ties that we have. You can have that in, in cults. It's an unhealthy soul tie. Um, maybe some relationship. It's an unhealthy relationship, and you're just... You know, you know what's going on with each other, and you're feeding each other negative stuff. You ever seen two negative people together? Whew. I was having a sandwich in Safeway this week, and <clears throat> and I'm sitting in the seating area, and these two gentlemen, I'm used the term loosely, were sitting over here. Talking and they were negative and they were just feeding each other with negativity. I, I don't even want to begin to tell you what they were talking about. I mean, it was just like, and finally, it's like, I want to cover my ears. I ate my sandwich as quickly as I could and left. You know, like, I don't think I'm going to get involved in this. <clears throat> These guys were tied together and they were tied together in a, a negative way. A positive soul tie is Jonathan and David. They, um, and then we're warned in 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't be bound together with unbelievers in, in relationship and partnership marriage. The, something that, uh, next one is ungodly beliefs. Jesus said this is the work. What is the work that we have? 
is to believe on his name. Unbelief is a major, major uh, challenge because we live in a rational world and we're looking at things through rational eyes. And if you're looking at, at uh, the world through rational eyes, you will miss the kingdom for the kingdom is, is the unseen Love, joy, and peace, these things of the kingdom are unseen and they're brought into this world by faith. And if you are filled with unbelief, then you will be negative. You won't believe God can do anything. You will be negative about uh, you know, what he has promised. You won't be, have faith toward what he has said he will do. Um, I'm going to define negative beliefs as believing something about yourself, your circumstances, or God that is not true. My gen- uh, reference is Genesis 42:38. Next one, this accompanies ungodly beliefs often, is negative inner vows. I'm defining as making an ungodly determination uh, to yourself. Things like, I'll never let them hurt me again, whoever them is. Whether it's somebody you're married to, a relationship, somebody used to be your friend, a church situation, a pastor, I'll never let them hurt me again. I'm, I'm going to protect myself. I'm not going to let anybody in. In other words, I'm making these vows to build walls around my heart. The problem is you, when you build walls around your heart, you're not only keeping other people out, but you're keeping God out. So the inner vows, making these ungodly determinations, also you're putting yourself in the place of, I'm in control, I'm going to be in control. You're not yielding and submitting to God and letting him be in control. The, the inner vow of, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again, is, is the wrong way to deal with a hurt or a wound. Instead, is just go before the Father and say, I need healing. Please heal me so I can have my heart open again to you and to others. The uh, next one is word curses. I'm going to define as evil words spoken over you or to yourself. Isaiah 54, 17, Psalm 109, 17 through 18. James 3, 10 says, From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be this way. So we have to guard what we say because we can actually wind up cursing ourselves through some of the stuff we say and things that other people say to us. You know, don't just ignore that, but but you break those word curses that are flowing out of you or toward you. Those things have power. Break the power of those things. Those things wound hearts. The next one is demons. I'm going to define as uncontrollable negative thoughts or actions known as spiritual strongholds. Mark sixteen seventeen, and these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will, what, cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Well, I speak in new tongues. And so tongues are still here. I know that for a fact. And demons are still here. So some people say, some people say well, can a Christian have a demon? And I say, I don't know. Can a demon have a Christian? <laughs> whether it's whether they're just hanging on you, or hanging around you, or in you, whatever we know is that Jesus cast out demons, and demons are still around. 
They're fallen angels. They're still around. It's interesting in the Western practice of the faith, you know, we don't say anything about it. Well, they don't have to be screeching, screaming creatures, but they, they might prompt you, you know, let me give you the definition, uncontrollable negative thoughts or actions. They might prompt you with uncontrollable negative habits, uncontrollable negative uh, things that you, you find yourself caught in. and You don't want to, but you're caught in it. And so God wants us to be free from that stuff in our hearts. And, um, and so um, these signs will accompany those who believe. Cast them out. I've read where the early church, right after people would come to Christ, the next thing they do is cast the demons out of them. Maybe we need to start finding a way to do, deal with that, huh? Come to many waters. We'll pray for you up here Sunday morning. We'll pray for you. Um, it, it requires that you just tell us that whatever you need help in, we'll pray with you. Because we, we're not interested in finding out what's wrong with you to condemn you. We're interested in finding out what's wrong so that Jesus can heal you. That's what we want to do. Next one, I got two more. Next one is trauma, which is word pictures. You can have trauma from a car accident even. Trauma is violent events that leave you with a shattered soul. And I've talked to people who have been abused. And it's, I define it as just like taking a glass, you know, and somebody just taking a hammer to glass and just shattering their soul. That's what trauma does. I mean, um, <clears throat> we took a team to Rwanda uh, to help them deal with trauma from the genocide. Many of them had somebody uh, murdered in their family or they had been a part of it themselves, participated in it. So there's so much trauma there. As a matter of fact, what we taught was so well received that within two weeks, two of the students that we had had another 100 people in there using the same material, teaching them how to get free from trauma. That's how much it meant to them. It's like, we need help. Uh, so in the trauma, in the trauma, you will have pictures. And I talked about that last week. And it, so if you'll if you want to know more about this, go to the web and get last week's message. But we live with pictures. We're, we're used to pictures. And, and I talked about that. Uh, you know, you expect somebody to come home in a certain time. They don't come home. You get a picture. What's the picture? Oh, they're in a car accident. Oh, they're hurt. I mean, don't we have these things that generate in our imaginations. And often, so you're familiar with, with negative stuff in your imagination. The point is that God wants a health, us to have a healthy heart that is filled with faith, hope, and love so that our pictures are positive pictures. And many times, now I'm learning that when I have a concern or, you know, I'm anxious about something, I'll go to the Father and I'll say, Father, is it all right? Are they all right? Is the situation all right? And I'll wait for the Holy Spirit to give me a witness in the Spirit. In his presence is fullness of joy. So I'll get this little sense of joy at that moment, and I'll know it's okay. He's given me a different picture. Instead of just being anxious, he's changing my pictures. This, so God wants to change your negative pictures into positive pictures and fill you with faith, hope, and love. That's his intent. And the last one I want to talk about 
Oh, no. I want to talk about trauma just a little bit more. I was thinking, where in the Bible is this illustrated? Acts 2.36. It talks about the crucifixion of Jesus. And I would say that's the ultimate trauma. Is what Jesus went through, dying on the cross for us. So that trauma was overcome. He rose from the grave. He lived afterwards. So that is that is a picture for us. If we have whatever level of trauma you have been through, it I doubt I, I don't think. I mean, has anybody here been raised from the grave yet? Jesus, that the level of trauma that he went through and overcame is telling us that whatever trauma you've experienced can be overcome. There's nothing that cannot be overcome through Jesus Christ. Nothing. He has done it. He has overcome the ultimate trauma. Hallelujah. What a Savior. (laughs) Okay, the last one. Judgments. Judgments are arriving at a condemning conclusion without all the facts. I had an occasion yesterday to arrive at a conclusion without all the facts. Joyce and I were driving, and uh, the next thing I know, I look up, and there's this guy, and his car is that close to my car. You know, he's, he's trying to crowd me off of my lane and get me out. And I'm, I'm looking over him, you know, and I'm going, what? I'm just driving, you know, I'm just driving. Uh, <clears throat> I was at the speed limit or possibly just a little under the speed limit, which I know is a mortal sin. But when you get to be my age, you'll understand why you might drive just a little bit under the speed limit. <clears throat> Sometimes. In heavy traffic. So this, this, guy, this guy then finally whips behind me, and he's, I look at him in the rear view mirror, and he's looking at me, and it's like, you know, it's like, why are you in this world? Why are you in front of me? I don't know. You know, I go like this. I look in, I look in the mirror, and I go... So I began to tell Joyce how I felt about all of this. And she said, I think you're going to have to work this out before you preach tomorrow. (laughs) I was telling her, it, it was inspiring me to write books. You know, my, the title of my book would be Idiots I've Encountered on the Highway. I said, no, that, that title won't work. It's got to be a better title. How about Flaming Idiots I've Entitled on the Highway? So, I mean, you should know all about this. I mean, he whips behind me, and then he whips through a gas station to avoid the light. At high speed, he cuts through the gas pumps. You know, and this is on my mind. I'm thinking, this guy's, I should have gotten his license plate. I'd like to report him. (laughs) 
Mostly, I would like to give him a piece of my mind. Unsafe, unsafe, unsafe. And I got inspiration in the first service as I was speaking this. Uh, I don't know what was going on in that guy's life. I don't know what created his angst or his anger or the way he was acting. I have no clue what he might have just encountered or experienced in his life. I know how he's acting, but I don't know what was behind it. Do you understand? That's uh, It's writing, arriving at a condemning conclusion without all the facts. Jesus doesn't do that to us. He doesn't condemn us. He has all the facts and still doesn't condemn us. So, talk about negativity. A heart, a heart filled with any one of these things is certainly unhealthy. But usually we have a number of them. Yikes. Generational sins and curses, ungodly soul ties, ungodly beliefs, negative inner vows, word curses, demons, trauma, judgments. Right about now, some of us in this room, we're in this place of awareness of the amount of negativity in our hearts and the pressing need to be healed. That's the moment you get overwhelmed with the awareness of how broken you are. Have you had those moments? I've had those moments. It's like, oh my God. Oh God. I need help. I'm unclean. I need help. I'm beyond hope. That's where that's where the cry comes from our heart and not our head anymore. But it comes from our heart that says, What must I do to be saved? How can I be free from this? Negativity from all this stuff that's killing me. How can I be born again? It's, it's, it's what David felt when he sang Psalm 51. We were just a little chorus that is birth years ago. We sang from Psalm 51. Some of you may know it. I'm going to give it a try, even though my voice isn't very good from this week, but. You know it, you can join me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me 
the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. That's our prayer, Lord, like David. He had sinned. Wow. Had he ever sinned? He committed adultery and he committed murder and he even covered it up. Lord, um, us, there's us in this room, there's stuff in our lives that feels so negative. And that's our prayer, that you would create in us a clean heart, renew our hearts. Lord, I'd like to ask the worship team if they come. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed, how blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what? See God. To be close to God, to be drawn near to God, to be in his presence, we need to have a pure heart. Now, the original Greek word there, ten times translates that word in the New Testament, ten times it translates it pure. One of those is right here, pure. Twelve times it, that word is translated clean. One time, innocent. But twelve times, created me a clean heart. Blessed are the clean in heart, for they shall see God. See, it's a clean heart, a pure heart, that's, uh, that's filled with faith, hope, and love. And so today you'd say, well, how, how do I get free from a broken, wounded heart that needs healed? So I'm going to offer two things as we close. One, fix your eyes on Jesus. First thing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Notice, notice. So that you may not grow weary and lose heart. See, the enemy wants to wear you out so that you will lose heart, or literal word there means fainting of heart, so that, you don't, so that you'll faint. So fix your eyes on Jesus. What, what do we see when we look at Jesus? We see that he paid the penalty, the price, for all our sin and brokenness and all the negativity that's in us. Jesus has paid for it all. It's all taken care of. And the other thing we see is his great love for us. His great love. So that's the second thing I'm going to say is be cleansed by his love. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been what? Poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So be filled with and follow the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus and then be cleansed by his love. A heart that's been defiled by life can be cleansed by love. If you're here this morning and your heart has been defiled by life, it can be cleansed by the love of God. And that's how I would like to end this morning is just allow us to rest under his love. I saw this moment 
was a moment for his love to just be washed over us and cleanse us and free us and let us experience his love once again and fresh and new. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask Jason to sing this as the worship team plays. And I'm going to ask him to sing this. And as he sings it, will you just open your heart right now? That's how he speaks to you, to your heart first. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is is to forgive anyone who has hurt you or wounded you. Maybe you need to forgive yourself, forgive God, forgive others. But would you let forgiveness flow right now? Because that's the entrance into the kingdom of God is forgiveness. And don't go by your emotions. You go by, you just by your will. You say, I'm going to forgive. I am going to forgive. I choose to release. And you just name it. So speak for, maybe you had a fight with somebody on the way in. You know, it's time to forgive. Maybe this week you've been in conflict with somebody. It's time to just release and speak forgiveness in the name of Jesus. So would you do that right now from your heart as Jason sings?